0: Got some interesting earnings updates, just not from companies you'd expect. Motley Fool Money starts now. I'm Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined over the airwaves by Motley Fool Canada analyst, Jim Gillies. Jim, thanks for joining me. Thanks for the invite, Dylan. Of course. Today, uh, we are going off the beaten path, Jim, and we are taking a look at earnings from a few lesser known names. But we're going to start with one of the biggest movers. Uh, Celsius may be a company on people's radars if you're looking at big movers today. Shares up 20% after reporting earnings. Jim, if you haven't heard of this one, pay attention when you're in the beverage section of the supermarket. They are growing their presence there. and Some big numbers in the earnings report pushing that big stock pop today
1: yeah, I mean, it, it, this is one I have heard of. Uh, I have uh, I was briefly an owner uh, back uh, a few uh, a while ago, and it was just a small position that we were playing games with. But their earnings report, the headline news looks pretty darn good. I mean, I think revenue was up 112% year over year. That's okay. Gross margin was up 10 percentage points, not basis points, percentage points up to 48.8%. Uh, uh, net income was up 345%. That sounds good. Earnings per share is up 333%. Adjusted EBITDA is up 350%. To be blunt with those types of numbers, Dylan, I'm kind of shocked the stock price is only up 20% today.
0: You don't see triple digit top and bottom line growth all that often, Jim. It doesn't happen. Well,
1: and triple digits in the earnings thing where the first digit's not a 1 or a 2. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, that's it's pretty remarkable. good. And and I and I think that should be celebrated and I think that there is um, there is there is something under the hood that I think investors should be aware of, but uh, a lot of a lot of this is tied to uh, an investment that came from PepsiCo, you know, noted large beverage player, uh, you know, half of a duopoly, uh, Pepsi versus or PepsiCo versus Coke, you know, and so there's a lot of moving parts that are actually associated with that partnership. For those who are unfamiliar with my style of investing I'm very cash flow focused and so I really liked the numbers that are in the the page to start with this but once I started looking at the cash flows here I started having some questions
0: yeah let's let's move past the headlines on this one because in prep you you built up the intrigue for me you said as you start digging in there was some stuff that had you scratching your head as you were looking at cash flow what was it
1: Right. Okay. So for, I'm just going to kind of operate on the first because cash flow statements are cumulative throughout a year when they're reported. So we're halfway through the fiscal year. So I'm looking at the first six months here. So in the first six months of the year, Um, Celsius does uh, just shy of $93 million in net income. Okay, But the cash flow, cash flow from operations, which starts with net income and then you start adding back uh, all the non-cash charges like depreciation, amortization, maybe stock-based compensation, and you do working capital adjustments. But generally, a quick rule of earnings quality thumb is you want to see cash flow from operations higher than net income because its calculation starts with net income. And then you're adding back things, you know. So the, in the first half of the year, they do about 93 million dollars in in net income, just shy of that, but they only did about 45 million in cash flow. So that's kind of okay. That's that's the first kind of like that's interesting. The second thing is year over year, the first half of this year, net income has sextupled, sixfold versus the net income in the first half of last year, and yet cash flow from operations is flat. Free cash flow. So the simple definition: operating cash flow minus capex. It's actually down from last year. Not much. It's just shy of forty million last year. It's just over thirty-eight million this year. Okay. So my next thing is well, okay, with the Pepsi deal, is the okay, is the culprit? Why is their cash flow down? Why is their cash flow far below their earnings? and I'm like okay well I wonder if that's because of the Pepsi deal and it is but it's kind of not the way I was expecting it to be uh, inventory has actually been a source of cash this year and usually when you when you push out inventory and Pepsi is you know obviously taking a lot of inventory from them where where I where I found the the issue is that accounts receivable in the first half of this year has been a massive 136 million dollar use of cash so someone ain't paying them for product okay and do, would you
0: like to guess who that someone is? Based on everything you've built up so far, I have to imagine it's Pepsi, Jim.
1: It is absolutely Pepsi. Pepsi, in fact, accounted for 68% of their receivables at the end of the quarter, about $135 million, which, of course, is the increase, roughly equal to the increase in, in the accounts receivable. And so, it's also been a couple of, like, like Pepsi's been getting paid by um, by Celsius here. First off, the the investment that Pepsi made in them is in the form of convertible preferred shares, and that those preferred shares have a dividend. So, of the free cash flow that Celsius has generated for the first half of this year, about a third of it went to Pepsi in the form of the dividends on those preferred shares. Okay. The other thing is, there's about um, they they gave some Pepsi that is gave Celsius. Uh, some cash that they had to use as they're doing their distribution network conversion over to Pepsi that they were carrying on their balance sheet. There's just over 30 million, 34 million, I think, if I don't have the balance sheet up on my screen. That all got returned to Pepsi during the quarter as well. So so Pepsi's a drain. And the other thing, too, is um, the only reason that celsius has positive operating cash flow in the first half of this year is because if you look through the line items there's a 57 58 million dollar source of cash which is basically uh, unpaid taxes so if they actually paid their taxes say on june 29th versus say july 2nd after quarter was closed these guys have negative cash flow like because they you're gonna have to pay
0: your taxes like. You yeah, know, so that's a matter of timing more than anything else. It,
1: it's a timing issue. So all of this makes me go, you know. So my, my take, and I have I have no stake in in, in this uh, company or Pepsi for that matter. And again, I really like the headline numbers here, but there's something weird going on under the hood with um with cash flows. And look, any of my concerns go away if Pepsi. Pays these receivables by the time Q3 is reported, right? Like, has this been a timing issue? But it strikes me there's a when I again because I'm a cash flow guy. When I see stuff like this, it makes me very, it gives me some qualms. I'll put it that way. Now, I ultimately think the the ultimate play here is probably Celsius goes away at some point is gobbled up. Entirely into the great maw that is Pepsi. Uh, We saw this a few years ago with SodaStream. They made an initial investment in SodaStream, ran a partnership for a couple years, and ultimately acquired the whole thing. I think that's probable what happens here. And I think Celsius. I mean, they have they have a very recognizable brand. Uh, They have relationship with Costco. They have relationship with Sam's Club. But right now, just be aware the cash story is not as optimistic and bullish as the press release earnings income statement story.
0: So Jim, to to back that out a little bit and kind of put a bow on the way that we're looking at Celsius and Celsius's quarter, sounds like looking forward you need to be watching the Pepsi partnership and I think the story for the business whether it's quarters or years is does this partnership become something that becomes less of a partnership and more of Pepsi just owning this business outright. Yes, I think that's a that's a fair comment. So Certainly a lot to follow with Celsius in the upcoming earnings report, and really for the next couple of years. Jim, we also got an update on Chegg. This is the online education company. and Some kind of interesting after-hours movement with this company and its earnings report. Share shot up 30% after the company reported, and is now basically back down to prior to reporting. What happened there?
1: People, I think, got a little enthusiastic that it wasn't uh, a sucky quarter, and I'll explain where I, why I'm going in that direction in a minute. And then I think the last couple of days, just in general, markets have been kind of blah, and so I think people have given it back. The, the story with Chegg starts about three months ago, or at least my interest in the story with Chegg starts about three months ago uh, when they reported Q1. And uh, basically, I'm going to paraphrase, but essentially, they said, uh, "Hey, remember how we weren't terribly uh, concerned about um, AI impact on our business? Yeah, well, by the way, it's going to have an impact on our business. And but hey, don't worry, we're going to co-opt it for our benefit." The market didn't believe them; stock fell almost 50, 50%, percent in a day. Management here and the story they were telling there, and the story they are telling in the most recent. Um, Conference call as well is that they're kind of treating AI and the move to AI uh, as as more of a tailwind versus a headwind. They are uh, they were talking last quarter about uh, their virtual tutoring tool, which they're developing in cooperation with OpenAI. They were calling it Chegmate, uh, thankfully a name that seems to have been dropped because that is a terrible name. It's a bit hokey. Well, look. The name Chegg itself is hokey, right? It's a portmanteau of chicken and egg. You know, which came first, right? You know, you need a job to, you know, you need a degree to get a job, but you can't get a job without a degree. Anyway, no, I, I think they, they are, they have made some good progress in this quarter. Uh, they made some progress in terms of uh, they're saying that you know the uh, what their research is is telling them and what their experience is telling them and and especially with as they as they've released this first iteration of their virtual tutor is that students are looking to chat gpt and looking to chegg for separate things and they are saying that you know we can we can leverage our you know large giant giant database of you know solution sets and and answers and and, and just teaching uh, tools marry that with you know a conversational ai interface that actually improves educational outcomes for for students now if you're a student who's looking for a, a chat gpt to write your essay for you Okay, well that's that's another that's another thing to talk about. But, you know, the, everything in in the conference call and in, in this quarter says that they are making progress on leveraging AI for the value of their shares. And as for the market reaction, Dylan, I think it's fair to say the market reaction says the market doesn't believe them.
0: Right? Yeah, I was I was going to say, I mean, so much of what we're looking at with the impact of AI is near-term roadmaps and initiatives that at least show companies are thinking about it, but the reality that a lot of this is probably being pushed out to 2024 and beyond in terms of material business impact. Is that how we have to be looking at anything for Chegg here? Well I
1: mean we are very I mean it's it's the summer so I mean in the present quarter so yeah like the 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 impacts on uh, their reported financials will really start to roll in probably with Q4 because Q3 is gonna be light because all the universities and colleges are you know kind of empty right now or at least you know much lower uh, much lower student bases um, but yeah like this I, I think for me where I'm kind of going with this is here is a company like, like like we've seen investors over the past I'm going to say nine months ish get really excited 3D printing style SaaS style cloud style about potential AI investments okay and I hope you heard the cynicism dripping from my voice there just a bit um, just a tad um, and so here is a company that you know I will argue has to embrace AI I mean let's be honest they kind of have to um, and so they are and they're actually reporting some pretty decent results, and they're also taking some pretty good capital allocation moves, and paradoxically, they're not getting rewarded at all. So, so What we've got here is a company that is embracing AI. The market isn't believing it, and so they're doing some interesting things to set themselves up. What are they doing? Um, They are actually making a not small amount of cash. And again, we just finished talking about Celsius and my concerns there. I'm kind of sitting opposite here for Chegg because over the past um, four quarters, including uh, the quarter, the Q1 of this year, where you know again 50% down, and then this quarter, which is perfectly fine, um, they have generated uh, about 180. I'm going to say about 181 or so uh, million dollars in free cash flow. Okay, that's interesting. What have they done with it? Well, they have uh, they have been deploying all of their their cash wealth and and a lot of uh, and the free cash generation. They've been buying back stock, okay, So they're buying themselves on the cheap. They have been buying back their debt and that is interesting to me because um, this is convertible debt. That they're essentially paying nothing on. So why are they buying it back? Because they're buying it back at a discount. <laughs> you yeah, I, 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 lo- I love this this is this is like this is my favorite capital allocation move when I see companies doing this kind of thing um if you because you know if if I mean Dylan if if you owe a thousand bucks in your credit card and your credit card company says, hey, we'll take 750, who among us would not immediately pay that 750 right? It's a like, great rate I, of return I, yeah. I mean, yeah, and well, writ large, that's what Chegg ha- has been doing for a few quarters, but really dialed up in this most recent quarter. Uh, I think they bought over four hundred million dollars worth for about three sixty million ballpark. Um, so that, to me, is I, I love that move because uh, when that debt eventually comes due, and I-, I I I hate convertible debt for a number of reasons, but you know we'll. We won't bore people with that right now, but the fact that they're buying it back at a discount, love that move. Fantastic guidance this summer doesn't look bad, um, you know. Uh, you know, for the summer term, it's the lowest seasonally adjusted term, but doesn't look bad. Uh, their margins look okay, even though they are spending heavily to to make their AI solutions ready for prime time, if you will. And and here is the thing: at this point in time, today at today's price, after as you say, after they've given back everything. This is a company that is trading at about six times trailing free cash flow, and that's really, really cheap. <laughs> and you know what? Even if they're only half as successful as they plan to be, if this thing moves from six times to ten times, which would still be cheap in my opinion, you know, you get a two-thirds, you get a sixty-seven percent return on your investment before actually if they actually start growing themselves. And then, and then the question I ask is, well, what if this actually works? yeah what if it all comes so, together? Yeah, so this is this is a potential uh, we're going to call this a potential double play, although double play is negative in baseball terms, <laughs> but like in terms of you, if you get actual growth, this thing works, and as a result of getting that that or that thing working, you get a higher valuation multiple.
0: This one could turn interesting. It's always nice when not a lot has to go right. For, for something exactly. to materialize for you, and uh, I much prefer step. You
1: know, like you know, what what what's your hurdle? I like when the hurdle's on the ground. I get to step over it.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Jim, our, our final company that we're going to check in on today is Nelnet, and uh, a company that you called a, a slow and steady one. In show prep uh, and kind of a slow and steady quarter, a muted response to the results uh, from this company. Uh, they're generally known as a financial services business specializing in student loans, but they kind of do a little bit of everything. What jumped out to you in the results?
1: Namely that, again, it was very slow and steady. So so Nelnet is a company I've known for a while, recommended for a while. It is a student loan servicing company. It's a professional services company. It's a consumer loan originator. They got a bank stuck in there somewhere. They're a payment processor. They're a telecommunications company. They're a K-12 uh, and higher education, uh, you know, helping payment processing. Oh, and they're a private equity group. So, I mean, yeah, they're everywhere. This is a very dense company to have to kind of Pull apart and look at, but fortunately, you know it's a, it's it's kind of we we've got a shorthand for these types of companies, and because it's financial services and financial numbers are very very um, uh, prominent, uh, we you know book value is generally a pretty good um, metric to be using, uh, and so I mean there there's a lot of cash flow that's that's flowing through here as well, uh, and 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 you can get a really good history. They do an annual letter every year, which I heartily recommend reading. I like I like to call Nelnet the the second most famous holding company out of Omaha out of uh, Nebraska because you know that one up in Omaha is pretty big deal. Uh, but yeah, uh, sticking with are, our
0: off the beaten path theme, if you're if you're in Nebraska and you go a little off the beaten path, you find your way at a uh, Nelnet instead of Berkshire. Right? Yeah,
1: you go to Lincoln instead of to <laughs> Omaha because these guys are in Lincoln, which is like an hour down the road from Omaha. But you know it, it's it's their book value. Uh, th- these guys ipo IPO'd uh, t- Mid two thousand four, I think, last third of two thousand four, uh, they've compounded their book value. So again, this is the Berkshire, same, the Berkshire argument, right? They uh, watch book value. Um, they've compounded book value at sixteen point six percent annually since IPOing, uh, and they're trading right now at about one point one times book value, which very nice valuation. Periodically, you know, the market will give you just a tad below one times book value, so I do tend to, you know, like to add to my holdings on those dates, but you know, I think there's nothing wrong with a 1.1 here. It's a cash flow story in that they have their operating businesses that are generating cash flow for them. Okay. They also so that would be the loan servicing business. That would be the um, the payment processing and helping manage uh, educational institutions business as well. They also have a bunch of um, private equity uh, style investments. Uh, notably, they own uh, they're the largest uh, uh, independent shareholder of uh, of a business called Huddle. Uh, which is a sports performance analysis platform. So, you know, for, for analysis of high school and college sports and, you know, occasionally professionals, but also athletes who are looking to maybe become professionals. I always like mentioning huddle to, to fellow fools who, who have kids who are on that athletic track because they all, all immediately, there's a couple we work with. They immediately go, Oh, I love huddle. I love huddle. Yeah. Like, so I'm like, at some point, that's going to IPO, and that's going to be real interesting. And they're the largest investor in Huddle, uh, but they also own this big giant pool of um, of student loans from a uh, from a prior program that no longer exists, and that's slowly flowing through the cash flow statement. And it's probably going to deliver them just shy of 1.4 billion dollars over the next 13 years, but about two thirds of that is going to come in the next five years. And so all that cash flow is kind of ro- running through their 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 finances, and then they apportion it out. They they pay a dividend, they buy back stock, they make these private equity investments, they grow their other business. They got their loan servicing business. They've just been um, they've just had their contract renewed. There was a couple years there where it looked like their ability to service a lot of the federal loan programs was taken away from them. They didn't get the contract. And then I kind of think the government figured out there's no one else who could do it, <laughs> but, but we already pulled your contract. So what do you do? Right? You know, because no everyone wants to save face. So uh, they changed the name and they kind of put a different spit shine on it and the, the, of, of that type of contract. And then Nelnet won that contract, which is basically the old contract that they lost. And so they've got that for the next five years. Plus, they've got, I think, two five year options after that. So there's a lot of moving pieces here, but, you know, probably to distill it down. Lots of cash flow, those cash flows get invested in various places, it distills down to a book value number, that book value number has been growing neatly, and it's trading at a reasonable price to that uh, to that growing book value.
0: I don't know a ton about this business, Jim, but because of where it operates and because of what I know is looming in the student loan servicing space, I do want to ask, uh, you know, interest on student loans is set to resume this fall, is that something that impacts this business at all?
1: Uh, a little bit. Um, well, like, first off, this, the servicing contracts and stuff. I mean, you know, you're 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 just the servicer, right? You know, you're earning fees on on how many transactions go through or what have you. Uh, so I'm not terribly worried over there. I'm not terribly worried in general. But yeah, the the that giant you know melting iceberg of of loans from that dis- discounted or discontinued, I should say, uh, program from a number of years ago. Borrowings are at generally fixed rates, although there is some floating. And yes, there's some swaps out there somewhere too to kind of adjust it, but whatever. But then they're they're mainly financed through uh, floating rate securitizations, and so what has happened with rates going the way they've gone, uh, that has crimped the, some of the profitability there. There are some outlevers for them to actually, you know, recoup some of their profits. But the 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 spread. This is a spread business, or that part of the business is a spread business. Um, That spread has narrowed in the most recent quarter. But I don't think that should have been a surprise, right? I mean, the headlines have been rates are going up, rates are going up, rates are going up. Uh, So I don't think it's that much of a surprise. uh, And I, you know, what's the cliche? Things that are known tend to be built into the share price. I think that's built into the share price here. Um, but uh, it is something to be aware of also to I think we're probably closer to the end of the rate hiking cycle uh, than to the beginning. Uh, I think in Canada, where I am, uh, I think we're done. I think you guys might have one or two more hikes to go. Wouldn't be um, surprised. Wouldn't be surprised, but also I, I don't think you have eight or 10 hikes to go. We'll put it that way.
0: Let's hope so. Well, Jim, uh, thanks for taking us off the beaten path today and being our guide along the way. Appreciate talking with you. My pleasure. As always, people on the program may own stocks mentioned, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.